Hi everyone and welcome to a new episode of Paratalk and on this episode of Paratalk I am once again joined by my good friend Rob of Dead Air. Um, it's not Dead Air Radio anymore, it's just Dead Air. But uh, he's done a yeah. lot of investigations and he's been very, very, very busy recently. Uh, we're going to talk about some of his investigations, but without further ado, I think you heard him just then, but uh, let's properly bring him in. All right, Rob? This is the third time now, so it kind of feels regular to be on. <laughs> you're a regular. You, you're now sure. a paratalk, re- paratalk paranormal regular. There you go. Exactly, and just for Halloween as well, so that's like a prime slots to be on as well a prime slot yeah <laughs> everybody's clamoring to get on paratalk apparently <laughs> in my head <laughs> um it's so, yeah but you've been quite busy haven't you i mean i've been watching you i've been watching your videos i've been watching them and you've uh you've sort of um well, you've been a bit all over the place haven't you yeah i mean the it's i'm still quite behind with videos so things that you're seeing was recorded quite a while back so finally getting through them and, and releasing them. But, um, yeah, I've been very busy doing a lot of video editing. That's the, the hardest part of it. Um, obviously, going out and doing the investigations, the fun part, coming back with hours and hours of video to sit through and, and edit and do all that is the is the hard part. But that's the fun bit, really. So it's, uh, yeah, getting it all out there. So I think when we last spoke, when was it? It was earlier in the year. Yeah, it was a while ago, a little while ago. Yeah, so... Uh, putting a few out now so and the build up to Halloween as well so got plenty to get through and obviously beyond that as well so before I um, delve in and start picking your brains about some of your investigations um, I was going to say you mentioned one thing that uh, I was going to ask and when you go out and you film all this footage and you get home you've literally got to sit through all of that footage and mm-hmm. then yeah. decide what you're going to use and what you're not going to use. How long does that normally take you? Well, it used to be, I used to aim for shorter videos when I first started. So if you go back to the earlier stuff, when I was just getting into the, the whole video editing, it was videos were under 45 minutes, maybe maximum 45 minutes. Now I'm kind of like, if it's getting towards an hour, I'm starting to think I've got to trim it a little bit. And then you're going back through it. And you've got to make that sort of editorial decision of how much do you take out? Because I know a lot of TV shows will film scenes where they, they switch between cameras and that allows them to do easy edits. But I'm filming on one camera, so I can't just keep chopping bits out here and there, everywhere. So it's got to be sort of within context. So one of the things I'm always conscious about is if I take something, for example, as a long bit of silence during a a vigil yeah if i start taking chunks of it out people could see the cut and they'll say well there's bits missing there the, why is he edited that bit out why has he gone from there so i always think especially when something's happening or you think you're getting a bit of activity so i try to keep that as a long piece so that there's no seamless cuts so for example if i hear a bang i won't just cut to when i go upstairs and investigate the bang it'll be i would have to show the full however many minutes long so people can then see uh, you couldn't get away with us on tv but this is the power of youtube that you can just leave these long edits in and then people can say well yeah there's nobody hiding in that cupboard or there's nobody else up there otherwise you would have seen it whereas on tv they would just cut and the 
chop and change camera angles and, and things like that. But this is the power you kind of get a little bit more to be able to leave stuff like that in when you're when you're independent and you're doing YouTube stuff. But I like to try and keep as much in as possible so it's authentic. The, when I'm starting to, if you see like a lone vigil and it's chop, 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 and I'm switching between rooms quickly, in my head it kind of feels like I'm leaving a lot out. I kind of want the viewer to experience what it's like to be doing a, a full vigil as best as possible. We're obviously mindful of not going too long on a video because I don't want the videos to be too long that people would just lose interest. Yeah, that's that's. A, I think that's uh, there's a, there's a key aspect there of finding what works and how long you can go for, and also what you leave in and what you take out because obviously it, it's difficult when you have something if you capture something on film you think well how much do i enhance this how much do i up the levels how much do i try and get the sound of whatever i think i heard out so that viewers can you know see it or hear it or whatever without people saying well i think you tampered with that you know you, you know. and so it must be a, a quite kind of a fine balance when you you know you're trying to present something in a way that someone can easily understand what they're hearing or seeing, but also not to sort of ruin the whole, you know, evidence really. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why I like to keep the camera forward. I mean, I'll always start off talking to the camera, but then I like to have the investigation. A lot of people will just turn with the camera and sit with it facing them. So yeah. it's looking at their face. But I kind of want it to be the other way so that people are getting that kind of, it's like that point of view kind of look where it's as almost as if they're in the room and the camera is what they would see. Obviously, you're in the dark, so you look at the night vision, but it's like when you're walking around and just exploring a place, it's always like camera first. So it's kind of like first person. That's the kind of style I wanted to create with this from the start. Um, so that's why you'll never see me in a room where I've got the camera pointing on my face unless it's I'm doing a, like a piece to camera or something like that. But I always try and have it as authentic as if I'm bringing other people in there with me. So it's like you're part of the vigil. You're listening as well as me. You're looking out for things as well as me. I've noticed um, some investigators now are doing the, uh, you know, the GoPro on the chest sort of thing so or yeah. on the head so wherever they go wherever they look uh they're getting a the capture and everything on film which i think is quite um yeah, quite a good idea as long as you remember you've got something strapped on you and you're changing the batteries or changing the sd card or whatever but i think it's quite a good idea i think it's quite a good idea doing stuff like that i think that uh anything that can draw the viewer in even more is uh is a good thing you know rather than just yeah. aimlessly swinging a camera around in complete darkness and running around and going oh did you see that oh it was in there or whatever and the and the viewers are going what what's going on what's happening it's yeah. just noise so yeah i think that's uh that's a pretty sort of a, a cool sort of innovation to you know get people involved in a visual sense but anyway before we we prattle on for another hour about you know all that stuff I wanted to ask you some questions and because I've been watching your videos and uh, I've been ta I'm taking notes and you touch on one of your videos when I saw it, I thought, yes, I need to watch this. I need to watch this video. Uh, 
and it's the video uh, that you do an investigation in a um i would say now it's an abandoned if it's still around an abandoned shopping center a shopping here we go see is it a shopping mall or is it a shopping center i would say uh, a shopping center but it's very american to say shopping mall but we do have shopping yeah. malls because shopping malls became a thing in the I suppose the sort of late eighties when you know when we started getting McDonald's and and things became a little more Americanized. And as a teenager, I remember going to the shopping mall because, believe it or not, we've got a shopping mall down here. It's only a little place, and there's only about twenty, maybe thirty shops in it. But and they're all small shops, but it's still a shopping mall. And we had a larger one in the in the town, the city near me, the city of Bristol. They had one, and it was a much, much larger one. And as we were saying before uh, this episode, uh, you know, you can go into those places and literally get lost and spend all day in there. You can eat your dinner. You can have a drink. And and before you... You can even go into the pictures. You can even go to the pictures in there. And you can do everything. You can do everything you want. Some of them have got arcades. You know, not so much now, obviously. But... um, a kind of sad thing that shopping malls and shopping centres have kind of died off a bit. I mean, we've got a large building in the town where I live, uh, which is an old um, department store. I mean, you remember those, don't you, from the old days, department yeah, yeah. stores? And uh, it's been it's been closed for years. It's been closed for like 20 years. And it's a huge building, three floors. It used to be an old co-op. And they had uh, like uh, clothes in there. They had homeware section they had an electrical section i remember going in there as a kid and just walking around the electrical section and looking at the hi-fis uh and looking at the tvs and the video players and thinking you know this is like a wonderland for me um and the building's still there and i'd love to go in there and wander around not necessarily because there's any ghosts but because of nostalgia and i think that mm, um yeah when you did that shopping center video it was very nostalgic to see you wandering around. What was it like to to be in there and just sort of? I know there were other, there were a few other people there, but what, you know, it was a very s- small amount of people there. What was that like to do that? It was. I mean, I've been in shopping centres after closing time before, because um, the the newest shopping centre to me, uh, the Metro Centre, that's got a cinema which stays open till late. So there's a lot of times you come out of that cinema. And every other shop has just got the shutters down, but yeah. you've still got to walk through at night. So I've, it, I've kind of been in that position before, but it was, it was strange because I was aware of the stories of this place. So I know every shopping centre might have their own stories, but, but what I were the story? Let's these. let's just look at the story. What were the story? Just so, just to let the viewers know, what were some of the the main stories of that shopping mall? Well, the whole idea of it, that the theme of the whole show was the fact that the shopping centre was built on the site of a castle, uh-huh. um, Stockton Castle, which was pretty much exactly where the ground, the floor print of the current shopping centre is. But the thing is that I wanted to play on with a lot of people in Stockton, which is a small town in Teesside, yeah. didn't know that it was a castle there. Even though it's on the crest of their football club, even though it's the shopping centre is called Castle Gate, a lot of people had no idea there was a castle there. Um, so the stories of all sorts there. There's um, the bishops of Durham used to used to live there, um, and of course people sheltered there during the plague. It's been sieged by the Scots. So this thing's got a lot of history to it. 
in terms of things that people experience in modern times, it was mainly security guards that would talk about things. Um, apparently, there was a child that was seen in mm -hmm. the shopping mall when they would go and have a look for the child, thinking it was a real human being. They would find nobody, and yet this was on the upper floors where there's no way that anyone could get in or out. Um, staff would say that they would experience things in the shop, presumably poltergeist activity. Um, there was a boots shop in there, which unfortunately I couldn't get access to, but that shop was on the exact spot where, I don't know if it, I didn't mention this in the video, um, didn't make the final cut, but the first ever match, you know, a match you would strike uh -huh. and light a flame with, that was invented on this site. And the man who invented the match is still said to haunt where his shop used to be, an old, an old, um, an old chemist. But in terms of the lower parts, when you go right underneath the shopping centre, there's a lot of dark, dark corridors. And you're talking about underneath where um, the foundations of the castle would have been. Um, and that's where a lot of people see things, shadow figures. Um, I was uh, able to, well, I used a, a thermal imaging camera. I got something that moved on the thermal imaging camera. I still think about that now and obviously regret that I can't go back and and do that again but that was that was a strange experience for me um even in the the top part of the shopping center in the normal mall where thousands of people will walk every day at night I heard a noise like a like it, to, to me in real life it sounded like a bang like someone banging on the shutter mm -hmm. even though there was nobody up there but when I watched the video back it sounded like something hit in the floor which was a, a different sound altogether so I don't know what that was it sounded like an object had landed on the floor when I watched it back, but there was nothing on the floor. But when I was there at the time, I, that was not what was in my mind. I was thinking there was someone hitting the the inside of one of the, the store shutters, even though there was nobody in there. Um, so that was weird. How do, um, you, uh, how do you kind of focus your... If you're in a building, okay, and you're in an area where you're pretty much on your own, and a place like that is, you know, there's all the little walkways and hallways and doorways that you can go in. Uh, how do you focus your mind to just only be focused on what you're doing and not thinking about other stuff? Is it is does that come with time? I mean, was there a time where you would go? What was your first uh, video like where you thought, I'm going to make a video. I'm going to this place. Allegedly, it's haunted. Was that difficult? Was that something you had to learn? I remember the first investigation I ever did that wasn't as part of a group. Because when, you, when you're with a group and you're with 20 other people, it's, it's a different thing altogether. But when I remember it was about 2009, um, we did a, a thing for student radio and we had access to a, a part, an old university building that was called the Bonded Warehouse. It used to be an old warehouse on the quayside in Sunderland. It's now, um, well, it became a bar. Now it's a, a modern computer IT building now. Um, but I remember we went in there and it was only two floors. So we would just base downstairs, asking each other to go up and spend some time upstairs alone. And I can remember that my heart was like pounding in my chest mm. just with the nerves of doing it. And I think back to that now, that was one of the, the lesser places I've ever been. And 
yeah, I think time does help when you do it a lot. You kind of just get used to it. Um, I can't remember the last time that I was properly, I'd say, on edge. I've been times where my heart's gone when something's happened and I don't know whether you do that thing where you stop and you listen for a while yeah, and you can literally hear your own heart going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're kind of, you're not frightened. You're not frightened where you want to get out. You're kind of, you're in a different type of, you're excited because you think something's about to happen and I'm going to witness it. Yeah, super alert. But Yeah. Yeah, you literally feel every, you're super heightened. Um, but another thing I've noticed, I think this is maybe subconsciously I do it, is that I convince myself there's no such thing as ghosts. I know that sounds easy to do, but I'm sort of like, I did start off doing it very skeptically. So now I'll switch into that skeptic mode and I'll try and approach everything like a complete skeptic where I'm thinking, you're not going to see Casper going through that wall. That's not going to happen. And you convince yourself nothing's going to happen to you when, you, when you're in there. You're not going to see anything. Nothing's going to jump out at you. I think... If I thought there was someone else in that building that was invisible, I couldn't see them, and it was a ghost, I wouldn't go in there. But you convince yourself there's not, and then you yeah. go in there. I think that's the way I do it. Well, you had a little bit of a scare when you were in the lower parts of the shopping centre, shopping mall, whatever you want to call it. Um, when you were walking through the... Um, they were like... I think that you could call them small independent stores or shops with shutters. Um, you got a little bit worried there because you were, you. Uh, if I remember correctly, you felt like you were being followed. Yeah, it did. And it's funny when you watch the video back because that I did say on the camera, it feels like I'm being followed. And then literally about three seconds later, there was that noise. Yeah. Um, and I can't remember why I thought I was being followed, whether I thought I'd heard a footstep or, I just had that inkling, but I remember saying it and then that happened. And in my mind, you think, because I was at the time convinced it was the shutter. Yeah. So you think, well, is it some sort of natural cooling down where something's just, you know, when things expand and compress and it might have just been like something like that. So I was, I was convincing myself afterwards it was that. But then when you hear it back, like I said, it sounds like something's hit the floor not the shutter. So I'm hearing at what I heard and what was on the video are like two separate things. Um, if I'd heard something that I thought had landed on the floor, I would have searched the area, I would have pointed the camera downwards, but for some reason I didn't hear that. That was not what I heard when I was doing it in real time. So before we move on to another location that you've done, what would be your uh, conclusion of that shopping center do you think that having an, a building of many many hundreds of years ago standing there uh, had some sort of effect or influence on the shopping mall or do you think the shopping mall itself had you know its own resident ghosts i don't know i'm still not totally sure on it because you if we believe things like the stone tape theory as a, a reason to explain why things are haunted, then you would say, well, all the stones of the castle were removed. Yeah. Um, although some of them were later used and built in streets nearby. Um, I did mention there was a theatre on the site before the shopping centre. Well, well, there were shops before 
those shops were flattened and then the shopping centre was built. But before those shops, in the Victorian times, there was an old theatre and that was supposedly haunted as well. It's hard to find stories because we're talking 150 years ago. Yeah. But there are references to a haunted theatre where kids used to look for tunnels beneath it because there were supposedly tunnels left over from the castle and kids would go and try and find these tunnels beneath the stage or, or whatever. So it, to think that something's been on the land and has stayed on the land, it's an interesting thought because I always think, well, scientifically, how would you back that up? Because um, obviously the next phase of that land is now going to become an open park. So does that mean that park is going to become haunted? It's going to be like a modern-day steps and fountains and all sorts in it. So will that park now be haunted? If you believe that whatever's on that land has been haunted since, then in theory, yes, it will, because the theatre's been haunted, the shops have been haunted. Mm. It's interesting. Um, but it's also interesting that this is a, a shopping centre that's right in the in the, the heart of a town as well. A lot of these modern ones are out on the outskirts, on industrial retail parks. Um, but when you've got somewhere that's right in the middle of a town, then that's where it's always going to be built on something that's been there before. Well, yes, very true. Um, I, I, I kind of look at that. If I have to sort of um, visualise that in my head, how, how would that work? And I think of it like uh, the pages of a book where each page lies on another page and as time goes on, the book gets thicker. So more pages yeah. are added and every now and again, uh, that, you know, the book is in the wind and it's blowing around and one page will open and it might not be at, at, you know, at present day, it might be at the beginning or it might be halfway through or, it, you know, it could be anywhere. And maybe that's what we're experiencing when we see, you know, you go into the shopping mall and you see a little boy running around who's dressed in a, ye oldy clothes from the olden days maybe maybe you are seeing just a playback it's nothing yeah it it's not a you know it it's not conscious of you it's not even a thing it's just a a, a shadow of the past that's not to say that um everything that people uh you know experience is an a figment of their imagination because clearly a lot of people out there experience a lot of things like yourself. You've experienced stuff that you clearly cannot explain. But maybe when you have areas like, you know, a shopping mall and places like where you've been built on places that have been, you know, have got a lot of history and there's a lot of maybe emotional charge in that area. Maybe it doesn't have to be the building maybe uh, we talk about the stone tape and the you know or it's the it's the qu crystalline quartz in the in the mm -hmm. stone that that's capturing the uh you know the essence the the, the vibrations or whatever however you want to explain it like a tape recorder playing it back and if you knock that building down and 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 take those stones away hundreds of miles away does that mean that 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 the ghost of whoever is going to appear in wherever the building is that um uh that, that where it is now you know wherever that might be the, the, the other obviously the other counter uh, argument to, to something like that when you talk about a memory that replays itself out is we're talking about a modern day shopping center with 
floors that are brand new, new, um, new structure, new levels to it. Yet, if an apparition appears on the top floor, then surely that must be able to. It's not a replay because that's something that's able to get itself onto the top floor that didn't exist when this was a completely yeah, different layout yeah, yeah. of the land. How was it able to have manifested onto something that never existed, a level, building materials that never existed 500 years ago? And that, that's, that was one of the reasons I was a bit sceptical of the, the children's story of things being seen upstairs. Because um, in my mind, I've always got to try and make it logical. And I think, is that believable? And that was something that I was a bit unsure about. Hmm. Uh, yeah, it must make you think. You you think if you saw something that was on a on a floor or on a level that was built, you know, in recent years, and what you were seeing was maybe um, something that was maybe from a long time ago, hundreds of years ago, then yeah, how would that uh, be able to manifest on a on something that uh, was you know was never there for yeah. them? Uh, some people say, oh well, you know they're a ghost and uh they would appear as where as if they were back in those days they would see things as they were well they all they would be seeing is a castle and the likelihood of the the floor being in the same place as you know being built in the same place as an old castle floor all right mate chances are never know but yeah interesting concept but i do think that um when it comes to hauntings not all but some, a portion of them, um, I do think that the environment uh, around us does play quite a large part in whatever it is manifesting. And I, I, mm. you know, I'm all right. I do sit on the fence with when I say ghosts and spirits. I do sit on the fence because I don't know. I don't know what they are. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, the ghost of uh, your grandma or your granddad come back. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's the essence of a person that's lived on. I, I don't know. All I know is that a lot of people see stuff and they can't explain it. So I don't think it's hallucinations. And I also don't think that when people are in buildings and they see stuff that they're not imagining. I don't think they're imagining things. Oh, we, can, we can get things wrong. I've been in places and I think I've seen something. And then when I think about it, I think, ah, maybe it wasn't. But we trick ourselves sometimes, you know. We want to see something so bad that we see something without... It's like our brain is giving us some sort of thought fulfillment going, well, oh, God, there you go. There you go. There's there's your ghost. And and then we kind of yeah. make a little story up. But um, I don't want to run away from this kind of topic, but I do want to move on to um, a another location that you've, uh, that, that you've investigated. And that is... Uh, the, the the Victorian police station. So that was yeah. Well, how did you how did you get access to that? That was down in in Sheffield, and um, that's it's now open as a museum. So the whole thing is essentially preserved and it's been reopened again as a museum. So that was uh, the National Emergency Services Museum. If anyone in the Sheffield area wants to go along, highly recommend it. But again, it was just a case of asking getting permission to go in and, and being allowed to film. Obviously, um, a place like that had to have two of their members of staff had to be in the building at the time, but they, they never interfere with, with what you're doing. They just sit and um, sit on the main reception area. But that is a, a fascinating building. Um, Did they tell you any ghost stories? Yeah. 
Um, and again, these go back to the similar type of stories that we were talking about. So these are full apparitions. Um, so the main spirit that's said to haunt the police station area is to, to remember this building used to be two separate buildings. Um, there was a police station and then the fire station. And it's kind of become one building now. Um, and then the ambulances used to park in the little alleyway in between. So in the police station, it's meant to be haunted by an, what they say is a negative entity um, who we presume is somebody who's died whilst being held in police custody. Apparently the name of that person was Kane, although nobody's been able to find any uh, record of this person existing. But then the theory that they're going along with is that he's not telling you his real name. So um, they've said that apparently plenty of mediums have gone in, tried to get hold of the real name, been unsuccessful with it. Um, so he's supposed to haunt one of the cells, although I went back down there um, a couple of weeks ago with a, a team to do, to do a, a repeat investigation. And they told me that apparently he's been seen in other, or he's been felt in other parts of the the museum as well so he's kind of starting to travel a bit around the museum um so he's supposed to haunt the police cells and they told me that when the museum was open a few years ago um to the public a lady came to reception complaining about another member of staff that was refusing to allow her to go into the the fire station um which is basically all part of the museum but all the old Victorian era fire engines and everything like that still on display. And apparently she said that there's a man dressed in uh, a fireman's uniform, old-fashioned fireman's uniform, standing in the doorway, but he's got his hand out. He's not letting anyone go past. So she went to make a complaint saying, well, convinced it was a real person. So why why can't we go in? The, your, your member of staff won't let us in. And they said, well, first of all, no member of staff here is dressed as a fireman. You know, remember the public's come in here dressed as a fireman. Um, so they went and had a little look. There was nobody there. And so you can go in there if you want. And apparently that's um, a story that's been retold uh, from the fire station. Um, an, an ex-fireman came back quite a few years ago and started doing a painting upstairs in one of the, the museum exhibits. Um, he said that a, a fireman walked into the room. He turned to look at them. Started talking to them, and apparently he got up out of politeness to go and like stand closer to them so he could have a conversation, and they just faded away. Um, these are stories that the staff passed on to me, so I don't know whether there's. I'm assuming you know you rely that these are stories that have been passed on truthfully. Um, they're interesting stories because they're full apparitions. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a it's an interesting building that it's a. Um, even if you're just a kid and you want to go and see all the fire engines or you want to go there because you want to learn a bit of history, that place has got, got it all. Imagine that. Imagine being in a room. You're painting your picture, you know, just chilling. And a guy comes in, dressed as a fireman, and you start having a conversation with him. And you think, oh, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm going to have a chat with him. You get up, you walk over to him, having a chat, and then he just... He just vanishes. How, how does yeah. that? How, how does you? How does your? How does your head? How do you wrap your head around that? Yeah, it's. 
you try and think of it if this is a true story if you could rationalize it you think well is this someone who maybe has poor eyesight he's decided to get up and go and have a look because they can't they've got you know short vision or just can't see and then maybe they haven't realized that person's left the area you try and think what well, could it be that um I mean, it's a good ghost story. It's a, it's a, it's one of those where you, you like to think that's an interesting one. Uh, it certainly builds you up some hope when you when you're in there because you think there's a fireman who manifests in this area. So that's some places you go into, and you speak to the staff, and they'll just say, "Oh well, I've worked here for 15 years and I've never seen anything." And some people pick up on this, and it's always like they pick up on that. But when you get stories of apparitions, that it's apparitions for me that are what you really want to catch because you get a lot of stuff through the equipment through gadgets and things like that but if you can get that apparition that's kind of like the thing you're there for isn't it you want to see it um you know i read an article recently on online do people even see ghosts anymore because so many people are putting paranormal experiences to so many other things that those classic stories of well i was just locking up late at night and turned around and there was an old Victorian era woman stood there. You, you don't get those stories anymore. They're, they're becoming rarer. But I love them. That for me is what you want to go and, and see. You, you want that apparition. Yeah, that kind of classic ghost story uh, where you yeah, the person sort of sees a, that kind of that kind of archetypal kind of ghost that, you know, from, from ghost lore and uh, you know that all that goes from where those stories came from and stuff like that yeah it, it's all about gadgets these days it's all about meters and and readings and noises and beeping and stuff and you know if you've got yeah. a ball on the floor that's just that's doing a little bit of a a beep and stuff it's like well clearly that's a spirit well no i don't know what it is what what how do you know you know it, it you're just yeah i think that we are becoming um uh, a little bit lazy when it comes to I, I, some people would argue and say, you know, shut up. You, you, you don't know what you're talking about because these things help us investigate. And that's true. And that's a valid point that anything that makes your investigation uh, more in depth and more easier and can help gather evidence is good. But unfortunately, a lot of people use these uh, some things I would consider toys uh, in the wrong way. And they just they do the the kind of the the shotgun effect where they just throw it out there, and whatever happens is clearly a demon or a spirit or whatever. And it's you yeah. know they they've got to have a little bit, just a little sprinkle of science here and there, a little bit, just a little a little bit of skepticism here and there. You got to mix it in a bit because that's what makes a good investigation. If you can have a you know have a little bit of this and a little bit of that, not just do one thing and go well clearly it's that. Uh, and what I was going to say to you, I, I do know that you uh, you use uh, these kind of you know uh, gadgets and and electrical devices. How how do you kind of work that into your investigation, and 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 how much do you re how much do you rely on them? I, if I'm honest, I would like to rely as little as possible on them. Um, I think if you go back to like the very early ones we did, especially on the radio when we used to do the old radio shows. Um, we never used them. It was always eyes and ears. But then you kind of, you start to realise when people, the times have changed, people want to see those things get used. If you just sat in a room and sat there for 
three or four hours and you, you got absolutely nothing, you realise that the, it would be very hard to to please other people. And so I always try and balance it out. I'll always have a section of the video where I am literally doing that, where I am just calling out, seeing what I get. I'll then try and mix in a bit of using something else, just so it's a bit of a mixture of a bit of everything. Because you're never going to keep everyone happy if you don't use them. You'll always get people who will say, well, you need to use this to try and communicate. You need to, you need to do that. And if you use one more than the other, people will say, well, that's a lot of rubbish. You know. So I always try and have a bit of everything. So the first part of an investigation will usually be um, trying to see a bit of what's in the atmosphere, just seeing what I can capture with a microphone and a camera. But it is hard uh, to please especially a, a modern day audience but yeah um like i say trying to be as scientific as possible so i know a lot of people wouldn't do it but they'll put their phones on flight mode as that obviously inter interferes with a lot of things and um just checking the, the surroundings that nothing's gonna interfere with anything really i was gonna say um back in the day in 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 uh, many many moons ago uh when this whole ghost stuff started uh, uh taking off and we were you know it, we had it on telly and we had uh most haunted remember that show <laughs> oh you know uh, yeah yeah i i religiously watched that show for maybe the first season and i did i got to admit i did enjoy it a little bit uh you know uh before before Yvette started uh, and uh, Derek started running around everywhere and screaming in the dark. But I think uh, it did change and it did evolve. I don't think for the better, but, you know, that's just my opinion for what it's worth. Um, and if you enjoyed the show and you still enjoy it, that's great. Because I know they're still going and they're still doing their things and more power to them. But the fact is that something happened and, and not just with Most Haunted, but with ghost hunters and ghost adventures and other shows of that ilk um usually the first season is really good and they go out and they do their investigating and i don't think it's their fault i, I really don't think it's their fault because they've got a production company behind them saying you need to make things happen because you need to find stuff because we've got advertisers and we need to pay wages and we need to pay the bills. And I kind of see it from that point of view. But as investigators, it you're, you're running a fi fine line. For example, I'm a producer, and I'm putting money into dead air, and I'm saying to you, okay, Rob, you've got some venues. We're going to send a crew, a camera crew with you, and you're going to do your investigations, but I need you to ham it up a bit. I need you to sort of go you know what any little noise i want you to ham it up don't say it's a ghost but i want you to you know make it exciting and we're going to edit in such a way we're going to do lots of cuts and quick cuts and stuff because the audience we've got to keep that audience on the edge of their seat and i think that's what's happened to a lot of these uh, tv ghost shows is they've they've hit the second season or the third season and they realize that they're up against a war. The audience wants stuff to happen. They're tuning in every week because they want to see the ghost. They want to see the the chair fly across the room. You know, they, they, they want it. And they fall into that trap where they 
they feel that they have to uh, not overact stuff, but they have to give something every week. And I think that do, when you bring in these like you know, devices that you know, Ovilus and all those sort of things, do you feel that that kind of was the beginning of the end for these kind of ghost TV shows? Yeah, the Ovilus, those kind of things are they're odd. Because I always think if something is able to manipulate them, whoever invented the actual device would need to also be aware of how a ghost could use it. Um, like the Obvious, that was was a ghost adventures, wasn't it? That was yeah. um Bill Chapel did all that. Um and then you think, well, if you were a Victorian child, you're not gonna know how to edit something that's on a or manipulate something that's on a that's programmed into a that, circuit. That's board. interesting. Yeah. You you bring up a really interesting point there. All right, my name is Little Bobby, and I come from the the thirteenth century, and I'm all blinky blonky blimey. Uh, as as your father and all that. Yeah, that's me. I can't read all right. I'm a bit illiterate, but I have fun, and I'm I'm a little bit of a pickpocket. I'm a little bit of a scallywag, right? Mm-hmm. And I died of a a rat bite or something, uh, and I died young, and I became a uh, a scallywag Victorian uh, whatever ghost boy. So, and I haunt a, a certain area of the town or whatever. Now, if someone comes along with this device and they go, and I've got this device in my hand, can you talk into it? It's a thing. I'm a little scallywag boy, and I don't know what that is. To me, it's just a a brick. I don't understand yeah. what you're on about. I always wonder when you, you know, if you are conversing with a personality or a consciousness and that consciousness is locked into a certain era, a certain era in, in history and you're in the room going, it's, you know, talking to my camera and they're like, you know, what what's he on about? And it and it takes me back to um, the late great Peter Underwood, and uh, he was investigating a manor house, which had allegedly had um, poltergeist-like uh, phenomenon. So they set up a camera, a time-lapse camera, on the stairway, where allegedly this phenomenon was happening on the landing. Um, I'm going from memory here, so I might be way off, but the, the the basics is correct. So they they had the camera on time lapse because they were trying to capture whatever was making the sounds. And they also had a recorder going. Uh, and when they, they, didn't, they, they heard some stuff, but they didn't capture anything on camera, I don't, I don't remember. But what they did capture was when they played the tape back, uh, they caught two people having a conversation. And one of them was saying, uh, uh, they, they were saying, uh, uh, look, do you see the, the, you know, the thing, obviously the camera. And somebody, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but like they said, yes, it's looking at us. So they were, whatever it was that imprinted on that tape uh, was aware that something, they didn't know what it was, but they aware that something was, you know, trying to either view them, see them or whatever. 
So I've, I find that fascinating, but I always find it fascinating that if you are a consciousness and you, you lived in a certain era, would you be locked into that era? Would you be like, um, you know, only able to understand stuff from that time period? So when you view yeah. stuff from a, another time period, um, say you've lived, say you've, you're a ghost and you're 500 years old, in ghost years or what in dead years or whatever, however you measure it. Um, so, you know, w- would you be, would you be like, Oh yeah, I know what that is. That's the ball. That's the thing. I'll light it. Uh, do you, I don't know what you're on about. What's electric. What are you talking about? You know, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it, the, the, obviously the counter argument to that would be that if something's intelligent, it would also be able to learn as well. So if it can communicate with you, it's obviously got an intelligence. Can it learn what a camera is does it learn these things as more and more paranormal teams come into a venue it starts to say well that's that thing that the last people that came in here but then the other thing is that again um it's a, a similar th- sort of subject to that would be language because i watched something recently about how far back in time we would be able to go before we would stop being able to yeah. have a conversation with someone and I think it was quite it wasn't as far back as what you would think it you're talking about three four hundred years before old English the, yeah. English language yeah, yeah. You, if you went back to certainly the 15 1600s having a conversation with somebody an intelligent conversation would be like speaking to someone who was foreign um because they, they use different words different dialect different ways of talking so then you think if I'm in a manor house or I'm in somewhere and I'm trying to speak to um, someone who died in 14, whatever, would they be able to understand even if I'm just having a conversation with them? Um, it's an interesting one. If I, I believe if they're intelligent, if there's an intelligent entity there that can interact with you, then I think it can learn. Um, but if it's a memory, then I think obviously it wouldn't it wouldn't matter if you're talking to it or not because it doesn't know you there. Um, but I think if it's got an intelligence, it will be able to learn things and observe things. So would that be the same for um, EVP? So if you went to, say you went to an old prisoner of war camp, and say there had been accounts of maybe German soldiers being seen or people in, you know, German uniforms because say it was in England and it was a prisoner of war camp and, you know, I think you went to one a while back and um, you're asking questions. I know know a lot of Europeans speak perfectly good English and even back then in the World War II, you know, their English was fine, but... um, Maybe they didn't. Maybe they were just proper, full-on, only speaking their own native tongue. Yeah. Um, when they died, and, and if you're asking questions in English, may, and w- if you get a response, w- you know, it, would it not be in German? Would it, uh, you know, if it was English, would where would that be coming from? Or are they, uh, what's your thoughts on that? It kind of brings me on to this Halloween. Um because the videos that I'm putting out this Halloween, I was in, I went across to Norway. Yeah. Um, and I've done videos abroad before, and I've had, I've no, I think I was in, I can't remember, I was in Iceland. I'd done a video, and somebody had commented underneath saying, well, 
why are you asking questions in English? And I, that's that comment stuck with me, and I thought, well, that's a good point. So I went across to Norway in the in the summer to record this year's Halloween. The location I got is a an absolute amazing. It's one of the biggest places I've ever done. How I got that for free, I'll never know. Um, but I did use a translation app, so I did have set questions. I introduced myself in Norwegian, um, asked a few questions in Norwegian. And this is the interesting thing. This is where, for me, this is the possibly the best piece of evidence potentially I've ever captured. So I don't know if you know this, but in Norway, they've switched off analog radio. Right. So there's no FM. There's no medium wave. Everything over there is now digital, as in DAB radio. Yeah. Which essentially means that a spirit box over there, those things that sweep through, there should be nothing on it. There should be no signal on it at all. It just should should be white noise. That's it. Yeah, different different frequencies of white noise. Yeah, exactly. So I'd been talking to a Norwegian paranormal team before I went, and I was asking them. I said, "So what would is it? Is there any point in bringing a spirit box, or is this thing just going to be dead?" In my hand, will I get white noise? What, what will I? Because I had no idea. I didn't even know if I was going to switch this thing on, and it'd just be silent. Does the white noise go off when the transmit? I, I had no idea what this, what was, what to expect. Um, and they said, "Well, no, you'll you'll still get the white noise, so it'll still scan and it'll still sweep, but you just won't get any radio bleed at all because there's no radio stations here anymore." So, I was in there, literally very early in the night as well. Um, sweeping the spirit box and I don't know if you ever used one but you kind of learn it as it it does a full rotation of the band you kind of remember when it picks up a radio frequency that radio frequency comes back around again and you you start to learn that there maybe is one or two radio stations playing music and you, you hear like a split second of it but there was just constant white noise sweeping white noise and I was in this building that was used as a mortuary um an old hillside fort, massive place, thousands of deaths on this site. You'll see the video when it comes out. Yeah. Just layer up and layer of history. We're talking northern wars, Norway, fighting Sweden, all the way up until World War Two, then the Nazis took it over and used it as a prison to torture people. This this fortress has got everything in it. And I'm just sat in this room sweeping away, sweeping away. Nothing. I must have had it on for about fifteen minutes. And by now, my attention span is just completely gone. And within the space of about 20, I think it'll be under 20 seconds, I got two voices, two different voices. One's going to be a male voice, and the other one's a female voice. And like I say, I'd asked the questions translated into Norwegian via an app. I've since sent that footage to a Norwegian who's amplified it, listened to it, and recognises that it's speaking in perfect Norwegian, even though there's no Norwegian radio stations out there anymore. So that would say that it might not... I mean, because radio signals can travel hundreds and if not thousands of miles. So if it's speaking in Norwegian, there's no way that anything could have uh, bled over onto those frequencies it couldn't be like a a ham radio or um you know somebody on yeah you know the, could it could it be that or was 
uh, now I don't want you to give away uh, any uh, spoilers because obviously you know this is yeah. this this video hasn't been published yet, and uh, and all the juicy stuff you know you, you want to keep that. But I'm just wondering, pl- playing devil's advocate, um, if it could be somebody that's on a on a, a ham radio um, or something yeah. like that. But if the voices are specific to what you're investigating, that kind of changes, you know. That kind of changes yeah. the whole thing. I mean, what would be great if it if it said your name or it, it, it told you if it in answered in a way that you, you know what's two and two and it come back four, then you're getting somewhere. I I, I totally get that. Yeah. The, the location we were in is very close to the border with Sweden, and when I say close to the border, I mean two hundred meters, three hundred meters from the border with Sweden. It was literally a, a fort overlooking the you know the, the two countries were at war so i asked the team the, the lady that sat and listened to all this footage i said is this potentially swedish because she, she speaks a bit of swedish as well. oh. she said no no this is norwegian she said there is the possibility that someone's got a, a pirate radio somewhere but the point of it being that nobody listens to fm anymore so i don't know but she's translated two of these phrases and they're kind of one of them's a date which could be relevant and the other one is also very relevant to the type of building that we were in now i obviously don't know norwegian at all so i can only trust what she's saying is she can hear the words and she can say well that sounds like it's saying this and it sounds like it's saying that so i'll take her word for it but I also, when I sent her the foot, she didn't know the questions that I asked as well. So that's where it's going to become interesting because she's only heard the EVP. She's only heard the actual spirit box that's sweeped. She hasn't heard the questions that I've translated. So it would be interesting. And obviously, I'm going to line it up. So she'll say what she thinks it said. And then I'll say, well, this is the question that I asked. Does that match? So... Um, I've already spoken to her a few times over Facebook. Um, I'm just literally waiting for her now to come on Zoom and repeat all that onto a, a video so I can have it in my video rather than just having to, to dictate it. But that's almost finished. That's ideally the video that's going out for Halloween. That for me is, if that place was in the UK, that would be the, probably the you know, we, every ghost hunter would be getting into there trying to get in there. This location is unbelievable. Um, it, it, funny enough, it wasn't the place I was trying to get to. Um, that fell through, and this was kind of a plan B that was a backup. But what we got was, in my opinion, like I'll never get into a place bigger than this again. It was unbelievable. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm sure listeners are going to be looking forward to that. I'll make sure that yeah. uh, I... Uh... I, I tag that in uh, in my socials when it when it goes live. Uh, as we're getting to the end of this episode, um, it's uh, an hour has flown by, but um, I was going to ask you, out of all this year with your investigations investigations this year, what for you has been the most uh, memorable? Apart from Norway, yeah, that's apart, yeah, apart the minute, from Norway. yeah, that's the one that for me is. I'm going to be buzzing over that one for for years. Um, Shrewsbury Prison um, or HMP Shrewsbury, whatever it calls itself now. Um, that's an incredible place. 
I don't know if it's haunted. Um, you hear little taps and bangs. Um, I wasn't sure if I've debunked one of the the legends of a, a certain cell. You meant to see a figure walking out, and I yeah. wasn't sure because I thought I saw it. And I had to sort of, I think I showed it in the video, like the shadow of one of the, the railings on the, the steps going up to that level where the, the cells were. Was it, have I debunked that? Of people seeing that shadow at the corner of their eye? I don't know. Um, that was an incredible one. Um, and ooh, places I've been to that haven't gone out yet. So um, been up to Scotland. Got a few places in Scotland coming that's going to be later in the year. Um, incredible places up there. Um, and I'm about to go in a few days' time to redo an old, a very old location that I've done in the past. The video was horrific because it was one of the early videos I did. So it was kind of um, when I watch it back now, I, you know, you hand over the eyes kind of thing. But I'm going to go back and I'm going to do it again, do it properly, do it the way I would do it now. Um, can't wait to get back up there and, and record that one. I do remember, um, just as a, a side note, I do remember you did an, um, a video in a, I think it was a social club or a an old uh, like bar or private club or something like that, which hadn't which hadn't been used for a long time, and you did a, an episode in this place, uh, and it was all it was all closed up. You were the only one in there, and you were hearing all these like uh, like did you say like knocking and taps and stuff. Um, I remember that video. That was quite a creepy video, and that was—I think I was—I was a number of years ago, but it was—I um, can't remember. It was. It was like a club. Yeah, it was like a a, a drinking club. Yeah, I would never get back in there now. Um, I only got that because um, after after we went into lockdown and we came out of lockdown, mm -hmm. there was still that time where nothing was allowed to open, but a lot of places were getting. A budget to be able to um, invest and sort of do up their, their their bars and pubs again, and I just got in touch with the the owner of the place, and they just said, "Yeah, come down." So um, obviously now it's a it's a nightclub now, so um, going there at night now is just going to be next to impossible. But yeah, that was that was a, a one off chance I got an old historic place. It used to be an old prison. Now it's a nightclub. So yeah creepy that was just a creepy video i remember watching that one and i thought and it wasn't a very big place but it was just creepy uh, you know what like the lady who it's it's always been a wife that own it she sent me a screenshot from that afterwards and i hadn't mentioned it because i hadn't the video went out there and there's a the little back room where they keep all the the, the drinks like the bottles yeah. behind the bar that used to be the old mortuary an old morgue when someone in the prison died that's where they would take the body um, and she said, have you seen this? And she sent me a screenshot. And I think it's just completely uh, paradolia. So th there's obviously a lot of water on the floor, a lot of moisture on the floor. Yeah. But it looks like the face of William Shakespeare in the water, in the on the floor, like there's a pattern on the floor. And she sent me it. And I was like, I can't believe I didn't see that. I spent hours <laughs> editing this. And obviously the video has gone out, so I can't mention it in the video. But she sent me the screenshot. And I was like, that's that's unreal. Now I can see it. 
I can't unsee it, but it looks like a face. Yeah. In the, I, I know you get these these face people who will draw circles around faces in like bushes and things like that, and I'm I'm not interested in that. But when you see this one, it was kind of like, you see the eyes, the ears, the side of the face. It's three. It looks like a you know the, the shaded side of the face. So it's three D. It looks it looked like a genuine face, <laughs> and um, yeah, I can't believe that that just went totally unnoticed when I was. I had um, I had an experience like that many many years ago, twenty odd years ago, and um, uh, I had went to a friend's funeral, and uh, I he asked me to his mum mother asked me to photograph the funeral, so I did some pictures for you know as a bit just so she had a memento, and I remember leaving the cer after the ceremony was over, I remember leaving, and uh, I got back to my studio where I was based at the time and I was outside back in those days I was a smoker and I was outside because I didn't smoke in my studio I was I was like outside in like the walkway little bad little garden area and I was having a cigarette and I looked up in the sky and I saw what I could only describe as a a face made of clouds um it the clouds were in a certain way, they looked like a silhouette of someone's you know, side on of their face. And I looked and I thought, wow, that looks like a face. Yeah. And, and it was like, as my brain, is my brain telling me what to see? Or is the clouds making a face? It's, uh, you know, it's that interpretation. And I know what you mean there when you, you know, people see things like they'll see a, in the fire, they see a, a person's face or, an, uh, always, you know, they take a screen capture of someone or something and it d does look like a face or in shadow or whatever. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, is it the brain that's tricking us or is it really there? Who knows? I don't. Yeah. I'll send you it across later and I'll, I'll let you have a look at it. Yeah. So, don't, don't tell me where to look. Yeah. Just send me it and I'll, and I'll see if yeah. I can go, oh, look, that looks like uh, that geezer that used to do a lot of writing. But um, <laughs> but anyway, so what have you got planned after Halloween uh, into like, uh, can you believe it? It's nearly the end of the year. Can you believe it? And in a little while, it's going to be uh, 2024. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, we're trying to, uh, as we were talking uh, a few nights ago of, of getting some sort of ghost hunting thing going. I, I would love, I would love for you and, and Rob from How Haunted uh rob kirk to um come on an investigation uh maybe get kevin from uh we need to talk about ghosts and and maybe a couple of other people uh get tom along from shrouded hand and do some sort of you know group investigation over a long weekend that would be absolutely amazing but as we yeah. were saying everywhere is just bonkers money right now I know that's the that's it. it. It's back in the day when we used to do the radio show. We could just drop a message or even just ring places up a week before, and we were just walked in. And now everywhere, and I think it's um, a lot of the the fact that it's a, a very commercial business. So a lot of paranormal groups will pay hundreds to hire places out. So nobody wants to then give yeah. it out for free. But I say when I was in Norway. I just got the keys to this place, like a massive hillside fortress. And you think you're going to get these big, huge metal keys and you just get tiny little, you know, your normal car key size yeah. things. But 
it's totally different. And over there, there's a paranormal group that I think they were in there two weeks ago. They they go there every month or two, and it's like they just ask and they get in. That's they what you need. You need you need buildings where you know there's some f- f- phenomenon going on, and you can yeah. go there regularly and build up a timeline of what people are experiencing, and also leave equipment there where you can you know remotely view and also remotely measure what's going on in that environment when people aren't there uh to see if there's any difference in you know in stuff uh unfortunately places like over here chingle hall an amazing place with an amazing history and i was in a conversation albeit a very short conversation on um on social media in a group that I'm a member of regarding uh, Chingle Hall. And somebody chimed in and said, I know the owners to Chingle Hall, um, the, you know, the current owners, and they don't allow ghost investigations. Well, we know that. But someone was asking, you know, can we go to Chingle Hall and do an overnight? Uh, they chimed in and said, no, you can't. I know the, I personally know the owners. So I asked them, I said, you know, politely, I said, have the owners ever experienced anything uh, untoward since they've lived there and they've lived there a number of years now um and she wrote back and said no they've not had any paranormal weirdness there now i don't know what to believe there because you know if you're a hardened skeptic and stuff's going on you might just brush it aside and go that was my imagination that 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 chair moving i imagine that you know you you might give yourself an excuse for for it not to be something other than your imagination so i really would you know i really would like to be a fly on the wall in in a place like that yeah with you know with people that maybe don't think it's a lot of old nonsense i got a rejection from a venue start of the year because um, I know I know you've done a piece about the um, the UFO that was seen in in Gateshead during the war. Yeah. Um. You know the, the Benjamin. Yeah. Um. The, the man who lived in Benjamin. Yeah. Um. Well, literally, across the street, across the road from there, there's a place called Benjamin Grove. And now this place, it's a, it's an old manor house basically, but it's been there since it was just all fields. And now obviously there's a town expanded there called Benjamin, but this was just all farm fields. So. A family's lived there for hundreds of years. And the interesting thing about it was um, they were all Quakers and the daughters and the whole family made a pact where they said, this is the family home. When we all die, we're all going to come back. And sure enough, people have seen um, Grey Lady on the stairs. Um, it, it, I think it was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle stayed there. He came and because the family were, you know, well known in the area, yeah, and he got them into seances because he was really big into into the that kind of thing. And the daughters became obsessed with doing old Victorian seances. So you can hire it out as a team, and you can still do seances in the room where family did it. And I've asked them, I'd you know even hire it out myself, yeah, obviously not for a full night, but just for a couple of hours just to film in there, and. I got the most stupid, in my opinion, the most stupid rejection reason for doing it. And it was because 
and you can tell that they're not paranormal minded people. But she said, but if you go and put all the all that on the internet, then nobody will come here because they know everything. <laughs> and I thought, what? Because <laughs> it, it, I, I, I couldn't get my head around it, and I was taken aback because I'd gone into this place in person to speak to them rather than firing emails back across. And and I was trying to say, well, it doesn't work like that. It's the opposite. Like he's, The reason people go on these and pay money to go on these things is because they've seen it on TV. Yeah. They've seen, you know, you see a lot of venues suddenly hike their prices up because most haunted have been in there or or whatever. Oh, yeah. It's like these, these buildings that they're, once a TV show is filmed in there, their status goes up. It's like so. It's it's kind of like social media, like influencers. You someone shows you a, a product or something, and everyone wants to go and buy it. And it's like that. If I went and made content from this place and told the ghost story of how incredible that this family made a pact that they were all going to come back in the afterlife, and people are still seeing them, that for me is like that. That's content. You can get into there and tell the story properly and of who these people were. And she was just like. Yeah, but we don't want everything on the internet because then it'll stop people coming. They, they already know the story then. And she just wasn't getting it. Yeah. So I don't know whether it's worth waiting until maybe like somebody else takes over running the place and then trying again. But I would. I was just. Uh, yeah, I would I wait. Get my head around it. Yeah. It was I just. Think, yeah. I think who you're talking to just doesn't doesn't kind of fully <laughs> understand uh, what yeah. what you're trying to convey to them. Um you know unfortunately there's a lot of people out there that have already made their minds up i always tend to sort of uh try and be open-minded and i always try to sort of be a bit on the fence as well because you can't just blindly say you know this is that or whatever you have to be a little bit skeptical just a little bit but um it, you know it's it when you try to get into a place and you get a rejection like that and it doesn't make sense. You just think, you know, yeah. what, what are you, who wrote that? You know, what, what's in your head? So, you know, but there are a lot of venues out there and there's a lot of interesting venues, but unfortunately in today's, you know, uh, climate, uh, you're either, you're either going to pay a lot of money uh, to get into a place. I mean, there are places like uh, national trust uh, buildings that you can hire for a weekend but uh, and they're like you know 15th 14th century and you think oh my god the history in that place imagine just staying in there for a weekend and just 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 lock yourself away for a weekend and just do your evps and just wander around and seeing what you um what 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 you experience there's a place here um at wood spring priory it's called it's an old priory from the olden days and uh it you can hire it uh you can hire it out for like you know it's like um a holiday home and it's it's got its own chapel it's 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 hundreds of years old it's got loads of history it's only a few miles away from me but they want they want serious money to hire it they want and, yeah. and the only way to do it is to do it with a group of people is to have a you know four or five people six people come in and the only problem then is you've all got to be on the same page. You've all got to be like-minded and you've all got to be respectful that everyone in your team, in the team of people is trying to do something uh, in their own way. Like maybe they're a podcaster, maybe they're an investigator. They all want, need their little bit of space. 
So you don't want to be on top of one another. And that's the only problem when yeah. you've got large groups of people and you go on these organized ghost hunts. Um, it's just, just, it, it's a fun. You can't take any of that seriously because there's too many people there. It's just too much going on, you know? Exactly. Yeah. It, you mentioned national trust. There's a, um, I don't know if you remember very early on in, in most haunted when they did Sousa lighthouse. Um, that's national trust. Now, they used to allow paranormal teams in. Yeah. All of a sudden, it stopped, whether they had a bad experience or they just said, right, we don't want to do that anymore. But I've, I've, I did do it years ago as a um, with a team, but obviously not like how I would have done it now. And now you can hire out. You can go on the National Trust website. You can book yeah. um, several, or I think you can... It, I think it's four nights you've got to do it. One of the cottages that's part of the, the lighthouse. So that you've got the lighthouse, the big tall bit. Uh-huh. You've got obviously the, the working rooms around it. And then you've got the, the lighthouse keeper's cottage. And you can hire that cottage. Now, it's the lighthouse keeper, the former lighthouse keeper, that's meant to haunt the lighthouse. So I was looking into it thinking, well, would that work? Could I go there? Um, but... You can only stay for a minimum of four nights, and I think it was going to come to over well over a thousand pounds to hire this cottage out. And I thought, if you could get it for one night, and you can get it for a decent price, you could, even if you didn't get into the lighthouse, you could just do the cottage where the lighthouse keeper lived. Yeah, that would that for me would be enough. But it's just, um, I looked at one place when we were talking about it uh, before the summer. I was looking at a few venues. I found one which was owned and run by the National Trust. It was a 15th century manor house up the country a little bit. But I was looking for somewhere that we could all travel to, which was reasonably local. And uh, it was four bedrooms or six bedrooms or something like that. It had a lot of history. Um, and you, it was I think it was a minimum of uh, three nights uh, stay. You had to block book for I think it was three or four nights so it would have been ideal because it would have been a long weekend like a Friday to a Monday uh, but when you tied it all up it came to I think it was just just under or just over £1,200 and it's like yeah you, wow that's that's a, that's a that's, you know that's a, a chunk of money each before anyone is booked any travel tickets or anything you know yeah that's one of the reasons why I, I'm I'm looking at places when I'm going away now. Um, so I like to get a get abroad and, and obviously for non paranormal reasons as well, go sightseeing and, yeah. and things like that. But I find it's a lot easier to get into places in Europe now than what it is in the UK. Um, one of the ones that's on my bucket list, and it's been on my bucket list for as long as I've been interested in the paranormal. Um, and that's uh, the Plague Island, Prevalia in Venice. Oh, yeah. that's um, um, Didn't um, Ghost Adventures go there and do a episode? They did. They left half their equipment there. Yeah, as they, well, they, they had some real weird stuff going on, didn't they? Well, Alan, um, Alan Robson, um, he's been three times. So he's done it twice as a radio show, and he did it once with Sky on Scariest Places on Earth. Because um, they took an American family there. This was before the whole thing's come. It's completely dilapidated now. It's getting worse and worse every year. So I'd said, I think it was about 2020, I said, when everything opens up again, 
I'm going to go to Venice and I'm going to do it. And if it's for whatever reason, it's never gone through. Um, but I've been speaking via Facebook with a, a Croatian urbexer, and he's done urbexing videos on the island, obviously non-paranormal. And he's given me the contact details of um, the person that I would need to speak to to get a boat onto the island because it's forbidden to go there, which is another iffy thing. Um, if you get caught on there, you can be in trouble with the police. But a lot of them say there's a time where the, the police boat and the, the lagoon goes. Yeah. And that's when you, you get onto it and that's when you, you go. Um, and it's obviously the, the number one place in the world I would love to go. Um, it's supposed to be the most haunted place on earth. And yeah, that's well, always know, been my ambition to go. I know when uh, Ghost, Ghost Adventures did it, they had a. They were very unsettled, and uh, as you say, they yeah. left their gear. Well, part of their gear they left there. They just wanted to get off and just leave. And but they were stuck there, weren't they? Because their boat had dropped them off, and it was only coming back at a certain time. And also, yeah. um, uh, uh, haunt, uh, haunted Earth. Uh, can't remember his name. Uh, he had a YouTube channel, and he he did a lot of uh, investigating. He uh, went there as well. I don't think he does haunted stuff anymore. He's um, Chris. Um, oh, what's his last name? His name's Chris. I'm trying to think of his last name. He's an English guy. And uh, he used to do a lot of ghost videos and investigations. Um, yeah. And uh, he did a he did an episode there on that island. And he had stuff happen to him as well. Um, so, yeah, maybe there's something to it. Maybe... Uh, Maybe um, yeah. it, it is that maybe there is more of a reason. I mean, I always think that they want to keep people off of there because it is quite dilapidated. A lot of the buildings are now falling to pieces and it is a lot. Of, it is incredibly overgrown and it, you could you could literally fall down a gully or a ditch and not even know it was there. And you could be stuck there on your own. For, you could die there. You know, you could be no yeah. one would know you're there. So I can understand the authorities not wanting um people to put themselves in danger like that but i think if you did go there with other people and had contacts and people knew where you were um yeah i mean i don't see why not but you know horses for courses really isn't it i mean it's it's one of those things i i don't know if i would feel comfortable going there but uh especially on your own i mean you i don't think yeah. it's somewhere you could do on your own really i mean it'd be too, a bit too dangerous i th i think the only thing that really I would be unsure about it. Apparently, it's got an infestation of scorpions on it. Um, people that have been there said that you see them all over the place. But mm. I think in the dark, I would be a bit sort of like, mm, I'm not sure about that. But yeah, take take a UV light or something. That's. Uh, I think we're gonna we're gonna end this episode on uh, on the scorpions. I think Le <laughs> leave that into people's heads. But what are you going to be doing it? So in 2024, you're going to be trying to do stuff like that, are you? Or or have you got a plan? I've. I've got a few places. I'd, I'd love to go to Romania because um, I you know, just the whole Transylvania. My sister went last year. Um, she loved it. Obviously not for the paranormal reasons, but um, getting out into Transylvania, those places are, are incredible. So I might look at doing something over there. Um, I'm always looking for when I'm traveling just to see. I've wanted to, There's a paranormal group in Malta, actually, Um I've been speaking to. They've got it's the same as 
when you go other places. They've got access to a lot of these places. They just ask and they get the keys and they, they go into them. And so I'm going to try and team up maybe with a a Maltese uh, group because there's some really old fortresses over there. Um, love to go over there for uh, a week or two. But um, in terms of this country, just try and find more more venues. I'm getting um, crossing more off the list now, so I'm trying to find new places. So if anyone's got any suggestions or knows any way into some places, then I'll uh, I'll definitely be interested in finding out where those could be. Sounds good. Well, yeah. If anybody's got any, uh, anyways, got any uh, uh, sort of places, yeah, either drop me a message or uh, Rob's uh, details will be with this podcast. You better get to his uh, his his website and his contact details, and you can uh, let him know. But that will be interesting to see if anyone's anyone's got on there uh, anywhere that's uh, a little bit spooky, so to say. But uh, anyway, so thanks for coming on, uh, Rob. Thanks for coming on this episode. Um, I'm sure you'll be back again. Because uh, you know <laughs> yep. it's good. It's good to catch up with you every uh, every few months and uh, see what you've been up to. Uh, I, I'm I'm also um, looking forward to hopefully we can work something out where we you know get together and do a little bit of a ghost hunt or something in the near future. Um, again, we can yeah. get a little team of us together. That would be quite cool. Um, I, d- I don't know how we'd work it out, but I'm sure there's a way around it. Um, I'd like to thank everybody for uh, sticking with us and listening to my inane waffling because I do tend to go off on tangents. But, you know, it is what it is. It's freewheeling. Uh, I don't like, I don't like uh, you know, to have... When I have a guest, I don't like to have, like, a, too much of a script. I like, you know, to see where it goes. Um, thanks to everybody for your support and your likes. And, and even I got some, um, uh, some donations, which was very nice. And that was, uh, thank you very much. You knew who you are. Uh, so that's going to be put to good use. That all helps. Every every penny count helps, as as Rob knows, because you know, he's he's a bit of a jet setter with the uh, with the ghosts and stuff. He's off, you know, to Europe next year. Um, any final words, Rob? Um, just hope everyone enjoys the content. If you've never seen it before, uh, just go onto the Dead Air channel, enjoy it, um, and like I say, we'll there'll always be new content on the way. Awesome. Yep, our links will be in the description uh, to to Rob's YouTube channel. And yes, I highly advise anybody that likes uh, that kind of um, first-person ghost hunting stuff, get on his channel and watch his videos because they are kind of creepy. I've been spooked many a time watching his videos. But until next episode, thank you again, Rob, for joining me on this episode. And thanks, everyone, for listening. You're welcome. Uh, Speak to you soon. Mm -hmm.